Thank you for listening to the Your Mindful Coach podcast, part of the Center for Self-Care Network. This is Mark Balser. In today's podcast, I offer the first of four seminars on mindful habit change. If you'd like to learn more or attend one of our events, visit www.center, the number four, selfcare.com. I've posted both a mobile version without meditations and a longer version with meditations. You can also find the meditations separately on my podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are available. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming tonight. I know for uh, for some of us it's a it's a religious holiday. Uh, for some of us, it's just a, yet another night after a busy day. <laughs> um, and so, uh, in this process of mindful habit change, one of the things I really want to encourage us to do is think about transitions as we come into this room, as we leave this room. Uh, every step of our day, uh, recognize that those transitions are really important to us bringing choice into our life. Um, our habits that can serve us well, but the way I'm thinking about habits, particularly bad habits, are um, patterns that over time have been, become so ingrained that we don't really have any agency in them, any choice in them. Um, and when we slow ourselves down a little bit, we might still make the same choices that we've made many, many times before, but at least we are giving ourselves that, that freedom, um, that opening, that space. Um, so uh, my name is Mark Balser. Uh, I've been teaching meditation for about five or six years. Uh, I teach often at Mainline Unitarian Church, which has a free Sunday, actually two free Sunday meditation groups. And for the last mm, three, four years, um, Marianne from the library has been nice enough to offer space and time for us to practice and learn together. Um, so thank you so much for offering this space and letting us work together. Um, I came to mindfulness and meditation after a loss. Uh, I lost my father, and I stopped sleeping. Uh, I, I know sleeping uh, problems are an epidemic in our country. So much going on, so much we can't control. And I certainly wasn't able to control my dad's passing. Um, and after trying just about everything, I found my way to meditation. And I'd sit in bed and, and try to fall asleep, and I'd be ruminating before, you know, oh my gosh, I'm going to be tired, I'm going to make bad decisions, I'm going to lose my job, I won't have any money, so on and so forth. I'm sure all of us have had some version of that narrative before. Um, and what meditation offered to me was a chance to return. Um, when I'm lying in bed and I can't sleep, what's happening? I'm awake. That's it. Everything else is a story in my mind. Now, it might be a story that's true, but it's a story. And so for the first couple of months after starting meditation, I really didn't sleep all that much better. But all that, that energy um, that built up through telling that story every night uh, dissipated. And so once I started sleeping, I started sleeping like a baby. Um, so that's one of the reasons I want to share it with you. You can never figure out what the impact of meditation and mindfulness will be. Oftentimes you, you go because of back pain and, 
And two or three months later, you say, you know what, I'm less reactive and I'm getting along better with my child, something like that. So it has these interesting side effects, generally pretty positive. So I invite you to check that out with me today. We've got a four class habit uh, session um, over the course of the next four months. Each of these will pretty much stand alone, um, but if you're able to make many of them or all four of them, that'd be wonderful. So uh, the worst thing to do when you're a meditation teacher is speak for an hour and say, oh, we're all out of time. Uh, next time we'll meditate. Um, so you may have meditated before, you may not have. I'm going to guide you through this whole process. It's very simple, but it's not easy. Um, and we'll just practice for five or six minutes just to support that transition into this room, into this time and space that we're not worrying. Well, we might be worrying, but we're not at work anymore. We're not home with the family or worrying about the, the, what's going on with the pet or anything. We're just right here right now. Um, and it'll be a simple mindfulness practice. Mindfulness uses the, the raw material of our life. So as long as you're all breathing here, you'll be able to pull this off. And so that concept of catch yourself, be gentle, begin again, it's, it's much like, you know, you go to the gym and you lift weights. Every time you get distracted and you return attention is building that muscle of, of focus, of attention. Um, so if you're sitting there and you didn't get distracted once, good for you, but you didn't really practice. <laughs> um, so having this raw material of, um, you know, the sensations in our body or sounds that we hear or thoughts or, or, or emotions is how we work with this practice of mindfulness. Um, so uh, hmm, I want to try to figure out how to introduce myself, but I kind of already have. Um, I, uh, I have been trained in teaching meditation um, uh, through Penn's program for mindfulness. If you've heard of mindfulness-based stress reduction, it's a really neat, probably the most evidence-based program um, that's available in this area. Um, I'm also trained in mindful schools and mindful self-compassion, which is really exciting and fun. Um, because once you start doing this, you become a little bit more familiar with what's going on. You feel that tingling, but you also notice your self-critic a little bit more. So if you don't bring some self-compassion to that as well, um, you're going to be beating yourself up a lot. Um, so uh, two things. Uh, first, don't believe a word I say. Try it on for yourself. Uh, and the other thing that I thought of as I was driving over here today is I never teach anything that I've already mastered. So keep that in mind, too, that I'm a student of habits as well. So I have a little poem for you. You may have heard it before. It's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Does this sound familiar to any of you? Oh, yay. Yeah. So Autobiography in Five Short Chapters is by a, an author named Portia Nelson. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still don't see it. 
I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It isn't my fault. And it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there and I still fall in. It's a habit. It's my fault. I know where I am and I get out immediately. And chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down a different street. We've almost come to the drawing part of uh, tonight's presentation, which is my favorite part. Um, so uh, you might be asking yourself, what does mindfulness have to do with habits? Um, and the answer, sciency, is neuroplasticity. Have people heard of neuroplasticity before? Um, mindfulness is getting so popular that we've heard about this. This concept that we're always making new neural connections. Uh, they've got this great research they're putting people in MRI machines. And so they'll teach somebody, they'll teach somebody to juggle. And within seven days of teaching somebody to juggle, there's growth in the part of your brain that involves motor coordination and, you know, eye, eye motor coordination. Um, and so our habits are just a different, another version of this neuroplastic process. Um, now, you might want to build a habit of mindfulness, but it also can support you in identifying the habits that you want to make and break and tools to allow you to do that. Um, so practice is super, super important. Um, we're over, I think everybody's over 25 in this room, right? Okay, we're over 25. Um, neuroplasticity look, works awesome with teenagers because they're myelinating. They're basically myelination, it's an insulation of all those neural connections. So that's why you might remember, you know, the, uh, your 10th grade teacher, but you can't remember what you had for lunch yesterday, or the television lineup in 1982 with the, I don't know, it was a Cosby show on them, um, because we're not producing myelin quite the same way. That just means we need to practice more. Um, so I wanted to share a story about habits, and I, I guess this is kind of bad habits here. Um, that I heard from a meditation teacher. His name's Corey Mascara. Um, and uh, I'll share some resources, some links to his work as well. Um, but he was at a retreat once, uh, and they were talking about this idea about bad habits and neuroplasticity. And there was a neuroscientist, neuroscientist there, uh, one of these guys that puts people in MRI machines all the time. And the neuroscientist said, you know, I learned more about neuroplasticity in this habit process from growing up on a farm than anything else in my life. And so this fellow, when he was growing up, grew up on a farm, and this farm had a barn. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. There's our barn. So the, the, fa the, the farm had a barn, and it had a bunch of cows. You, you won't need to see this particularly, you'll get the idea. But um, okay, here's my cow, yep. And a bunch of cows. Yeah, good. Do cows have tails? Yep. Um, it had this wonderful pasture. I don't have any green, but you know this great, you know, lot, lot of grass to feed on, and 
um, shady spots to sit in. Um, and so every morning the cows got up, got out of the barn, they walked over, they found their way over to this grassy field, this grassy pasture. Um, and then the day ended and it was time to go home. So uh, the best thing would have been to do straight line there, but that's not what they did because there were a bunch of trees in the way. There's my trees. And then there was also a creek running through this field, and there were some rocks and some bushes, nice bushes. So the only way that these cows could find their way home was to take this long, winding path back to the barn each night. Kind of a long way to get there. Um, and so neuroscientists never thought anything of it really until he went off to college, family sold the farm. 20 years later, he's in the area and he's like, I wonder what's going on with this farm. So he came back to the farm and guess what was there? Well, there was a barn there, the same barn as before. And all the cows were still there. They looked just as odd as they do in this picture here. And of course, this wonderful pasture, they, they could get all their grass there, was there as well. Um, but somebody had chopped down the trees. Uh, the creek had, had dried up. Uh, the rocks, somebody had moved those out of the way. They went there. And the bushes all wilted and died. But you know what happened to the cows. Cows are still taking the long way home. They're walking this path all the way home. This is the metaphor. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> hopefully you got this. Um, so uh, these cow had, cows had built out a habit pattern. They kind of had that hole in the ground. They were just so used to it um, that it didn't matter that these obstacles had moved out of their way. And so most of our habits, particularly our bad habits, had an adaptive response to it once. I'm going back to my childhood and thinking about, my mom was pretty strict. So I, you know, I was on the straight and narrow. I was always making sure everything was in its place because I didn't want to get punished, didn't want to get grounded. But what's happening now? I'm a perfectionist, right? I share a classroom with a a woman that's a little bit less organized than I am, and I'm always picking up after her. It drives her completely insane. I'm also always losing her stuff because I'm moving it around. So <laughs> this is supposed to happen. We're supposed to have adaptive responses to our situation, but oftentimes uh, these obstacles move, they change, and we don't change along with them because we've built this habit through neuroplasticity of uh, how we respond to people that we interact with or who we like to hang out with or even a career or a passion that um, isn't really our passion anymore. Um, so this is kind of what I want to explore over the next several months, this well-worn path and how we can make some choice. So we might continue to stay on this path, but every once in a while we'll experiment and see what happens when we go off and then, and then back on again. This is a way to break bad habits, but can also open us up to new habits that we might want to make as well. So the first step isn't uh, running out and trying out your new habit, like 
locking your phone in your car at night or never eating another cookie again in your life, those kinds of things. Um, step one is really exploring. So I'm going to invite you to do your bad habits uh, as much as possible over the next couple of weeks and, and reflect on them and write, on, write about them uh, to see what kind of triggers cause you to uh, do these habits, um, what kind of uh, feeling you get afterwards, is there a feeling of relief or anxiety reduction, uh, and so on. So uh, really explore this in our body. So the physical sensations of it, the emotions of it. So there's a wonderful way from the practice of mindfulness uh, that you can do this. It's called the practice of RAIN. Has anybody ever heard the practice of RAIN? Yeah. Um, have you heard it from Tara Brock or a different uh, teacher? Um, Scott. Scott McBride. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, RAIN is an acronym, uh, and it stands for recognize. Now, there's we use a lot of different words for each of the letters in the acronym. I, I, I do recognize, acknowledge, or allow, investigate, and non-identify. Some people use the word nourish. Uh, part of this is to bring that self-compassion into the experience. So I'm going to guide a practice with you now. Um, but the idea is you can apply this to a lot of different things. You can bring to mind a stressor in your life. You can bring to mind a bad habit that you do. You can even kind of imagine it playing out in your mind so you feel it in your body. And we'll kind of walk through some steps of of recognizing how it feels to be in that state, to experience that, um, uh, recognizing that that's what's happening in this moment, and then taking some time to investigate what, what drives this, um, but also recognizing that it's not me. My habits aren't me, um, and that I have some choices to change those habits over time. So uh, everybody cool trying a little meditation? Wonderful. I'm going to leave this up here. If you feel like opening your eyes to remember what step we're on, um, recognize or realize, allow, accept, acknowledge, uh, investigate or inquire, and non-identify. I've got a little card that I'm going to give you that has this information on it today. So thank you for practicing with me. I um, can't remember if I defined mindfulness at the start. There's a lot of highfalutin ways to define mindfulness. The way I like to define it is paying curious attention to what's happening right now. Um, you've probably heard the word non-judgmental or non-judgment in definitions of mindfulness, which is great. Um, it's really good to be non-judgmental. When I use the word curious, uh, it keeps me from being judgmental. Um, and so a practice like that gives you opportunity to be curious about your experience without having to rate yourself or judge yourself. Um, I'll share both those practices with you electronically, so if you'd like to practice them, um, you're more than welcome to, but there's countless RAIN meditations available on the internet as well. Well, um, I'll give you a quick sense of what we're up to over the next couple of, of uh, meetings. So October 9th, I have it, I think it's October 9th, right? October 9th. It's a Tuesday night. Some of them are second Tuesdays. Some of them are third Tuesdays. 
Um, and uh, talking about accountability uh, as well as reminders. Uh, a lot of us try to, um, you know, make and break habits or, or do things through willpower. And there's so much that we can do so we don't have to rely on willpower because our willpower goes like this. And the habit we want to do looks more like that. <laughs> and so um, what can we do to lower that, that, that bar, that threshold? Um, so we'll have a little... Oh, welcome. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> a mindful moment. Yay. Yay. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, keep this in mind for next time because I'll invite you to have kind of an accountability partner uh, between mid-October and mid-November so we can track our habits together. Not to judge, but just so there's somebody we can, you know, throw it over to the wall like I did my habit today. I didn't do my habit today um, to share. So I'm excited about that. Um, a couple of things to send home with you tonight. I have a little card that says, let it rain. And it's got the, the four steps of rain um, recognized. So the question is, what's up? Acknowledge, that's up. Investigate, hmm, and non-identify, not me. Um, so you can take this and put it in your wallet if you like. It's got our website on it if you'd uh, like to check that out. Other than that, have a, a wonderful rest of your night. Let me hand these out as you walk out the door. <laughs> Let's